Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Danny, are you recovered from that ridiculous trade deadline yet? Getting there. I mean, doing that. And then we had a really fun NBA cast where we did our first basically live call with the G League game on the screen, which was ended up being an awesome game. So between that, it was good to have really a day off. But then fun topic for today as well. Yeah, we're going to talk uh, small forward rankings, catch up on some of the news, uh, the buyout market. Real quickly, though, any initial impressions of some of these traded guys? And we've only had a game or so with some of them in their new destinations nothing particularly huge yet i i thought that gasol looked more comfortable even though seeing him in a raptors jersey was super weird and i didn't get to watch the philly game but apparently tobias harris looked like a natural fit so that's exciting yeah that's that's going to be the one that i'm most interested in, in focusing on so far i mean i i don't know if i would be going nuts over a win against a denver team missing a couple of starters at home they should win that game there i think they're actually probably a better team than denver uh even when denver's fully healthy frankly but uh, especially at home home uh, with Denver kind of struggling a little bit lately you'd expect them to win that but yeah I I think it did look pretty good Dennis Smith Jr. in New York had a big game against Detroit obviously they are still losing they don't have much in the the way of talent had another 25 shot 25 point game which I think is going to be kind of more par for the course and then he really struggled yesterday against the the Raptors despite some highlights in the first quarter including maybe the best off the backboard pass that I've seen in some time to DeAndre Jordan he threw it like from like well outside the free throw line even i was not prepared for it at all um where do you want to start here in terms of news well, I think we can start with some of the returns that are happening, which is pretty exciting. So Anthony Davis has returned to the Pelicans lineup, and it looks like what we're going to see is fewer minutes per game. And Woj originally said fewer, if any, back-to-backs. He's already played in one. And so we'll, we'll see where that goes moving forward. But, you know, it's exciting, makes the Pelicans a much more interesting team over the course of this season. Yeah, and you know, he didn't play in the fourth quarter in a game that they won anyway. I mean, that's going to be really interesting as well how can that be police but clearly it's in the organization's best interest to play him as little as possible and win as few games as possible coming down the end here they also have released uh forward markeith morris whom they acquired at the deadline he is going to seek a second opinion on that next injury transient cervical neuropraxia which he'd already been out six weeks so he's supposed to be nearing returning and hoped to be cleared for contact so the fact that he's seeing a second seeking a second opinion at this point in time is not encouraging you know if he were feeling fine and ready to get back in the lineup that probably wouldn't be necessary uh and then they also have had Alfred Payton out for seven straight games again due to an ankle sprain what a star cross season it's been for him and you know New Orleans was criticized a lot for not making moves and going to get guys to get better with AD well I think they knew that no matter what they did AD wasn't necessarily going to be staying so they didn't want to mortgage the future any further and then they probably also felt hey we've got these guys who are injured like we're not going to make trades to get replacements for them when they're supposed to come back sometime. But then, of course, he and Miritich kept getting injured, and Miritich is no longer a Pelican. 
Another notable return happened on Friday. Kevin Love played all of six minutes in their loss, but I, I didn't see it, but apparently he looked pretty good. He did not play the next night. So they'll be judicious, of course. And for the Cavs, I mean, he's under contract now for years to come. Presumably, they want to build up his value in the hopes that somebody will want to acquire him this offseason. We'll see if that actually comes to pass. And eventually, they'll get Tristan Thompson back. But we're towards the end of his most recent timeline. So he had two weeks, and they said it was going to be another two weeks. But he still isn't doing contact work due to a sore left foot. So they got their best front court piece back, but the other one's going to take a little while longer. The Mavs had to waive Salah Mejri to do their deadline business. They have now re-signed him. He's a buddy of Luka Doncic's. I, I'm surprised that another team wasn't at least interested in him I, i've always been higher on him than i think the rest of the league i think he's been effective he fouls like crazy but he can block some shots he can finish a, around the rim it's certainly a, a worthy third center i think on most teams so i was surprised how little interest there was in him this summer and then obviously once he was waived again anybody could have uh, in theory claimed him on uh, that minimum contract and no one did um we'll catch up with some of the trade deadline scuttlebutt aftermath stuff which i think is really really interesting after this but uh, Kyrie Irving did miss the second half of their epic collapse against the Clippers due to a right knee sprain he's only going to be day-to-day per Woj but Kyrie has missed a lot of time this year so far that is something to monitor he definitely has not had the greatest health record in the world here he has played at an unbelievable level so far this year showing no ill effects from that surgery they had when healthy but there's always going to be kind of some nagging things with Kyrie and even going back to the 2015 playoffs when the knee tendonitis was such an issue and then he ended up having that knee fracture so just something to keep our eye on here we obviously need him to be healthy going into the playoffs with the east at such a bloodbath right now yeah Kyrie is a tough one because it and just being judicious about it making sure that he feels okay and and playing the long game boston of course wants to be in this mix for for months to come this isn't just a you know getting him right for right now moving forward also on more the off-court basis i wrote a piece that'll come out i want to ballpark it as tuesday it might be monday for the athletic about how now after the trade deadline passed my theory is that Kyrie is actually the most important figure in the 2019 offseason because now that we know that Anthony Davis wants to be traded, now what Kyrie tells the Celtics, particularly in late June, will really set the table for everything else that comes. Yeah, and of course what he tells AD as well. That too. Would imagine. Uh, you mentioned the long game with Boston. I just thought it was an interesting thought exercise yesterday of because Boston has that Clippers pick that only goes if they make the playoffs, whether it might actually be better in the long term for the organization to lose clearly as it turned out blowing a 28 point lead and marcus morris with more comments about how nobody or just a bunch of individuals they have been having fun for some time and and blah blah i mean it's pretty amazing that this team this is just the weight of preseason expectations i guess because they actually i mean in terms of their net rating they're basically like right about where i think both of us thought they would be uh and they're second in the east right now in terms of their net rating they didn't they didn't upgrade some guys who had disappointing seasons others like smart and Morris have actually had better seasons and so and Kyrie probably too so they've been right around I think where they're supposed to be but it sure as hell doesn't feel that way in terms of the mood around the team it doesn't help sometimes when you're underperforming your net rating by the sec by the third highest margin in the entire league you know like the Celtics are playing at a 57 win pace but they're 35 and 21 so that's 
that's hard to reconcile and the players are looking at it and also how strong the East is. Now, it changes in tenor a little bit because even with West Matthews, I don't think Indiana is at the same level they were before. But being the two seed, being the three seed, being the four seed, those all mean very different things. And especially for Boston, because they came into this as the ex- like either the expected front runner or co with Toronto and Milwaukee has just blown past them. Yeah, and obviously these Philly moves as well. They're, they're feeling some pressure as an organization, I'm sure, with all three of the other contenders having upgrade and them really, you know, not being able to do so. It probably wouldn't have been prudent to do so. Did I also want to correct something on the Celtics? I say that they could get out of the tax by moving Yabusele. That would be true temporarily. But what I was forgetting about is that Brad Wanamaker actually costs more than his cap number in terms of luxury taxes this year as a guy who is not a second round draft pick and is making the minimum, but costs more against the tax for that reason. And so given their additional salary commitments that would be required, they'd go down to 13 players if they were to have moved Yabusele. They would have gone over the tax again anyway so they would have had to make a, an additional move which might have been possible it's always disappointing to be this close and not get out especially with their financial future but it wasn't as easy as i had made it out to be when i was just quickly checking my sheet uh in the aftermath of the trade deadline should have been a little more thorough there and boston i think it's also interesting to, to circle back to that conversation i was having we're thinking all right you know they're in this race and we see them as a top 14 in the east but they're a couple of games behind indiana still they are projected to finish two games ahead of indiana by 538 but that's not at all assured that they're even going to get first or or home court advantage in the first round and clearly you still would like to try to get to the three seed if you can they are basically one game behind the sixers in the loss column because then you have a much easier first round matchup with the nets as opposed to the pacers so they still do want to try and get to the three seed but you know in terms of the second round it's not really going to matter that much because they're going to play either milwaukee or toronto i don't know that they have a preferred matchup there I have the sneaking feeling it might be Milwaukee for whatever reason, just because they've had success against the Bucks. But they're very unlikely to get into the top two now. I mean, the the, the Bucks and Raptors are at fourteen and sixteen losses, and Boston has twenty one. So there's with this little time remaining, almost no way they're going to get into that top two. It's not going to be realistic there. Um, enough on the Celtics. What else we got? Denver has been missing Paul Millsap. You mentioned that this he was now three games due to an ankle issue. I haven't heard a specific timeline on Gary Harris yet either. But they are potentially getting Isaiah Thomas back soon. And that's pretty exciting. I mean, he so he was assigned to the G League, but it seems like that was more just like for practice because he was in the area. And But he might come back as soon as this week. In Memphis, uh, J.B. Bickerstaff noting that uh, Ivan Rabb, who's played pretty well, is going to be in the starting lineup in the wake of Marcus Gasol's departure. So Jonas Valanciunas is going to come off the bench. And Chandler Parsons will return to the Grizzlies lineup. It would have been quite hypocritical for him to be out past the trade deadline wanting to play when ad caused the pelicans to be threatened with a fine when he wanted to play for keeping him out so parsons is going to get back uh, on the floor hopefully he can stay out there a little bit longer without getting injured you can't imagine he's going to play a ton for the grizz and also that's not one where it's obvious he should be playing so you know is simply activating him for a game and then not playing him enough in this situation Uh, hard to say but i mean there's no real downside for Memphis now they might as well try and play him and then maybe as an expiring contract he won't look so terrible if he I mean he's still going to look bad regardless but he won't look so terrible if he can actually get on the the floor and stay on the floor the rest of the year and provide some sort of uh, positive value and then also worth noting that Mike Conley's salary in 2021 is now fully guaranteed uh, on the 
that ETO that he has difference between an ETO and a player option by the way is simply the player option the player has to affirmatively opt in I mean there's a few other ones but this is just generally what it is the player has to affirmatively opt in whereas the ETO he has to affirmatively opt out so the default is that you're opted in with the ETO what else we got here in terms of injury stuff Nikola Mirotic is still dealing with his calf issue so he has not played yet for his new team the Milwaukee Bucks but he should be back soon possibly on Monday it will be exciting to see him on the floor just hasn't happened yet Minnesota's point guard situation is still like the drummer in Spinal Tap. Now they got Jeff Teague back, but Jared Bayless, who had been the basically the only point guard standing, he now has a, a right big toe issue, so he is out. Rose and Jones are still dealing with their ankle issues. It sounds like Devin Booker will be back on Sunday. He's missed the last two due to a hamstring issue, and TJ Warren has missed eight straight games. Phoenix, I, I watched their game against the Warriors. They looked feisty and competitive. I actually liked the game overall. Kelly Oubre in particular stood out to me, so getting Devin Booker back could really help them. In San Antonio, Derek White uh, with that foot issue, the opposite foot uh, of the one that he had issues with early in the season, should be back after the All-Star break, uh, according to Pop. And I think that's all we've got in terms of this injury stuff. We'll talk a little bit trade deadline after mass on the reporting that's come out there. Uh, break down the buyout market uh, as well. Going to go on a little trip during the All-Star break. But I always am wary of going to be on the road and stay in a hotel because I don't have my customized Helix Sleep mattress with me. They are very portable in terms of when they get shipped to you and you can actually bring them into the room before you unbox it. But carrying it with me on a trip might be a, a little too much even for considering how portable they are. What makes Helix Sleep special is they built a sleep quiz that takes two minutes com- to complete, and they use the answers to match your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress. So if you're a slide sleeper, hot sleeper, you like a plush bed, firm bed, with Helix, there's no more guessing or confusion. So go to helixsleep.com slash capspace, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. I have loved our Helix Sleep mattresses for a couple of years now. They're actually one of the first sponsors of the show after we tried them independently of the podcast just tried a one-size-fits-all mattress didn't care for it had to return it and then my wife found helix sleep so i actually dm'd their company twitter account and said hey i love your product i would love to shill for you guys and they said okay so we've now uh had a relationship for over three years but that's only three years into the 10-year warranty and you get to try it out of course for 100 nights uh, risk-free they're offering up to 200 dollars off mattress orders for their president's day sale this is the best deal that they've had the way you get it is to go to helixsleep.com slash cap space easier remarks we talk about all the time in the program helixsleep.com slash cap space for two hundred dollars off your mattress order for their president's day sale going on right now helixsleep.com slash cap space we can start in oklahoma city where the okc thunder have waived alex sabrinas he's been struggling with a an unspecified personal issue really for the last few months now and to the point where he and the team agreed that it was better for him to leave the team he's actually given back the remainder of his salary for this year in a buyout which is going to save them a ton of cash they could have saved a lot more if they could have just moved him into a trade exception but apparently the price for doing that would have been pretty high and okc doesn't have a ton of draft assets going forward they really value their draft assets you could contrast that to say the approach in houston okc is in the repeater tax i mean it, it made all the sense in the world for them to have given up assets to move off of a brain they still did not do that granted they got the buyout but they could have saved a lot more by removing his salary from their books completely so we wish the best of luck to a because clearly this is a severe personal issue which is 
I don't want to speculate with, uh, about what that is. The Bucks got a, a interesting price on Nikola Mirotic. Four second rounders, two of which belong to the Wizards, and two of which are one was their own, and then the other one was a, another pretty good team. I can't remember who it is off the top of my head. And the Sixers apparently offered two second round picks, and the Bucks outbid them, which is really interesting to me on a, on a couple of levels. One, you know, I'm not sure that the Sixers knew that the Bucks were the other team that was in the bidding for Mirotic. The Bucks, I think, did really well, even if Mirotic isn't a perfect fit there. I mean, he, he definitely helps them. He's a really good player and he fits right into their system, but it he doesn't really fill an enormous need that they had. But to keep him away from Philadelphia, to me, is almost worth more than having him on your own team in some ways, if they would have had to match up with Philly, because again, Philly is just you know so starved for depth right now to have added Miritich in addition to already getting Tobias Harris. Uh, but it's also interesting to me from Philly's perspective, looking at the price for Miritich, they clearly were interested in him to say, well, you know, what if we could have just, if we could have just offered one first rounder, that probably would have gotten them there, you know, their own first rounder. They didn't want to go that far, but maybe they could have just done that instead of making the Harris trade. They would have still had Shamit, who's in their rotation. They wouldn't have had Mike Scott or Boban, but maybe they could have gotten some of their guys who, who might have helped them. Maybe like Etuan Moore would have been an interesting guy that they could have gotten from the pelicans if they wanted to expand that deal more would be a really nice fit in philly again if he could stay healthy and finally zach also saying that the sixers and pels discussed a potential miritich markel fultz swap before the harris deal was consummated they also could have done a structure as considering the money that was involved where fultz was still went to the magic but he was used as outgoing salary in a miritich trade that sure. would have been doable too um especially if the pelicans for whatever reason were less interested well not for whatever reason if they were less interested in the magic because the magic were interested in markel fultz and I, I think it would have been possible to do both deals if they had wanted to i will mention that the other second that milwaukee conveyed is denver's 2019 and that is a very very low second you know that's going to be you know somewhere in the 55 range so not super valuable it really is about those two seconds the ones from washington which could end up being good but remember philly has a bunch of good seconds because of those weird trades with the knicks back in the day when they owned like there was a time when they had like four consecutive new york first second round picks though there are some opinions that you know the nick the nick's future is rosier than the wizards i would say so then maybe those don't pop as much either yeah, Philly shaping up as a little bit of a loser here early in the buyout market. Wayne Ellington and Wes Matthews, both of whom they would have had interest in. Ellington is going to sign with the Pistons. He's probably going to start there. And, and Wes Matthews, we talked about already, he's going to sign with Indiana. He confirmed it in comments to the media today that it was, in fact, that starting spot that was the big issue and really no one else, it seemed like, could offer that. The Bulls-Otto Porter deal, low noting that Washington had a deal on the tail that could have brought back a low first-rounder, but also, it would have required taking on money extending beyond this season, and I think Washington was not particularly interested in that, so... This deal to me seems a, like a better one for them to just get off of the money for next year, give themselves flexibility. That low first rounder is not really that sexy. And they did get that second from the Bulls, which could end up being pretty good, although I, I think it was 2024, that second off the top of my head. And perhaps Bobby Portis has some value to them as a restricted free agent to re-sign, depending, of course, on what the price would be. Mark Berman, who probably has as, as good a line into the Knicks thinking as anyone for the, with the New York Post, Frank, I 
Isola would argue that that's because he's just a shill for the Knicks. I, I wouldn't go quite that far, but he reported a couple of interesting things. First off, he he talked about how it was a missed opportunity for the Knicks to not deal Porzingis during the 2017 draft when, of course, Phil Jackson got in hot water for taking the temperature on that. Berman reporting that Devin Booker could have been had for Porzingis. That supposedly Phoenix didn't put Booker in the trade, and we were critical of them not being willing to do that at the time because uh, Porzingis is so much better than Booker at the time. Now, you know, that certainly is closed with some of the injury concerns and, and Booker playing a lot better than he had uh, over these last couple of years. Still, uh, obviously, a very polarizing prospect, but supposedly teams were not knocking their doors down. Uh, an individual with knowledge of the matter told the Post, presumably from the Knicks side, and the Knicks felt that getting the two first rounders rather than just one in that deal was gravy. And I agree. I thought that second first rounder was uh, pretty darn good for them to have done. And yeah, I think the psychology of you know Porzingis was the savior, the first guy that the Knicks had drafted that they were going to sign to a second contract since Charlie Ward. Oops, that didn't end up happening. But I still think that the deal was pretty good for New York. And you know, obviously, this was the organization trying to get it out there with Bourbon, where there are these injury concerns, obviously, with Porzingis. The fact that he's not with two more years left on a rookie contract, he's going to have to be paid at the market rate now. So while there's a, a little bit of spin involved in this article, it does kind of match up with what I thought about what the market was for Porzingis and that they did pretty well, especially getting off of the salary. And that the Knicks apparently went in with three goals, which were getting a, a prospect on his rookie contract, which they got with Dennis Smith, one or two future first rounders, and then the salary relief from Lee and Hardaway. And they apparently did all that. What about uh, these Charlotte Gasol talks? I cracked up because the reporting before the deadline actually happened, and of course before the Gasol trade to Toronto, sounded like a parallel of the mock trade deadline, where it was you know first round pick, non expiring, non expiring money, and then maybe a young player, you know something something in that vicinity for Marcus Gasol. But they were haggling about the protection on the pick, and that gets into something that we dealt with in that, which is yeah. Charlotte's uncertainty moving forward. And so if as Memphis, you would like to have maybe more more optionality on the on the pick, you know, going forward, especially because the possibility Kemba Walker leaves and they're way worse, not just not just worse, but like, you know, potentially one of the worst teams in the league. So I can imagine why that was a really hard needle to thread. And it sounds like that was a, a big part of why it, uh, agreement never happened. Yeah, I think so. And, and so the report is that it was a lottery protected pick. And if you're Memphis, okay, lottery protected this year, but eh, there's a pretty decent chance they don't get into the playoffs this year. And then what happens, right? I mean, it, it's going to be lottery protected going forward and then it becomes two seconds. And now you just, you trade away Marcus Gasol for someone who's not really going to be a, a part of what you're doing. But, you know, that said, I mean, really the only thing they got back was right. So maybe you would just rather have had that pick and gambled on them making the playoffs and maybe even getting the, the two second rounds. We'll see how Wright ends up looking in a Memphis uniform, what he costs to resign, etc. Also an interesting note from Bobby Marks, the tax distribution per team dropped from $4.7 million to $3.1 million after the deadline, both because Houston and Washington got out. So now you're spreading that distribution for over 24 teams instead of 22. And of course, more importantly, that those teams are not paying the tax. And so that's pretty significant, especially Washington has really didn't, they were quite ahead, didn't see them getting out of it. And I guess Houston too. I mean, both those teams were unlikely it would have appeared to get out of the tax before the deadline. So let's, uh, shape up the buyout market here deandre jordan's gonna stay in new york matthews and ellington are 
dominoes that have already fallen who else headlines this group now it's a lot shallower than we anticipated especially with the reporting from Vivlamore that jeremy lynn and Dwayne deadman are going to stay in atlanta now maybe that story changes between this point and march 1st possible but remember they're not getting any assets back for those guys so unless they're agitating to be somewhere else it's very possible that the hawks could use bird rights to re-sign one of those guys though they'll have cap space anyway so they could do it if they really wanted to also, I mean, the Kings... But by the way, hold on a second. Go ahead. You know, when they're like, oh, hey, just trade him. You could always just re-sign the guy anyway, right? <laughs> that's like, true. That's happened maybe like three times in all of NBA history. I mean, like that's... I, I've always found that argument to be a little bit of a canard. I mean, just, there's just... I mean, the guy's been there for longer. His family is there. Like, there, there's just human factors that make you sure, more likely course. to just stay where you ended the last season. That that uh, said, it would be unbelievably funny if Tobias Harris re-signed with the Clippers. <laughs> <laughs> just just like i've called this because the first time i ever really articulated it was devin was darren williams when i'm like oh man if utah could get all those pieces you know Derek favors and everything else and then darren williams would just turn around and go back but then of course the departure was more acrimonious than i originally expected it would be and that was never on the table all right so let's see here and with there's so much time before march 1st when guys need to get way to if you're atlanta maybe you hold on to the guys now and okay we keep them around we feel good about where we're at and then we'll just let him go right before March 1st. You know, I don't think Atlanta's going to be too worried about just, you know, getting money back from these guys. At, oh, wait, before we start, point, yeah. can I explain my kind of overarching theory of of this, of what what a buy, what you're looking for in a buyout guy? Yeah, sure. So obviously it has to be a player, and for the ones that we're talking about that matter, they should be capable of playing on a good team in the playoffs. You know, other than that, they, they don't really move the needle much. And, and sometimes teams make moves hoping for that, and then it doesn't happen. That's, that's somewhat different. But then the other part is when a team buys a player out, out. There is no expectation of future value. So like you very rarely, I mean, the Abrinas thing because of his personal issues and hopefully that all resolves notwithstanding, you don't usually see a pending restricted free agent get bought out for that reason. Or like this might happen with Trevor Reza, a, re- a unrestricted free agent that the team intends or hopes to re-sign because Washington would have to use bird rights. They're interested in that. So they're not going to give him up and give up the chance to retain him. So you're looking for teams that aren't really competing, players that aren't necessarily playing and players that could benefit either from happiness standpoint, playing time standpoint, from being somewhere else. Yeah, that's a a good primer for sure. I think Robin Lopez's situation in Chicago is really interesting. It seems like, based on some of John Paxson's public comments, that his the reports that came pretty early that he would get bought out and join Golden State. Paxson claiming that those hurt the market for Lopez at the trade deadline. I think if he's being honest, he would realize that market wouldn't have existed anyway. But there is a little bit of a game of poker here where you don't want those kind of reports coming out early before the deadline. Just in the future, establishing a precedent that, hey, you know, if you go do this and make teams think hey we shouldn't trade for you because we can just get you on the buyout market you're going to get bought out then we're going to not buy you out you know i mean I, there is a little bit of value in that i think there's probably more value in just like not being a dick but and getting a reputation that you're not gonna do right by players that, and buy buy them out when you're just totally out of contention and and although lopez is actually playing for the bulls too that's another part of this but this could all be posturing maybe the ever cost conscious bulls will be willing to do it if lopez gives up enough money but that's an interesting situation 
decision to monitor of whether that's just posturing whether it's deterrence or you know whether it's just he's going to get bought out regardless and it's Cantor also got bought out he's an interesting one to me I'm I don't think he can really help a playoff team beyond the first round maybe he can help the right team I don't see a particular fit for him at this point in time among teams that are trying to make the playoffs maybe Charlotte would be one where they could just use more of an offensive center he could potentially just give them what Willie Hernan Gomez is giving them but maybe just a little bit more but you know I'm just not sure how effective Cantor actually is when you're really trying to win basketball games instead of just get a bunch of points and rebounds anybody else come to mind as a potential destination for you for Cantor no really because there there are so many teams that are flush at center it is possible that his market will open up due to an injury that happens between now and let's say March 15th like that sort of a thing somebody has it is happy with what they have but then a guy has a foot issue or something and maybe even if that player is going to come back kind of like what happened with with Kenneth Fareed in the Rockets there might not be as many minutes there probably won't be for Kenneth Fareed as soon as Clint Capella comes back but there is a value to having him for that period of time and Kanner talented as he is is a tough fit for many of these teams because his defensive limitations are so severe that you can't play him in the playoffs so if he can be a gap filler for 10 to 15 games considering the leverage of these games for some teams I think they could be happy with that I mean there are plenty Plenty of bigs here that might be on the buyout market. Marcin Gortat got waived by the Clippers. He's 35 years old. Supposedly has interest in the Warriors. We'll see what the Warriors have interest in him. Greg Monroe, maybe you could see Brooklyn holding on to him. He provides a little bit different of an element than Ed Davis as a backup center if you're going up against a post guy. Monroe's a better passer than Davis as well. So maybe you should I should I intervene and tell you that they already waived him? No. (laughs) When did that happen? Uh, almost immediately after the trade. Oh, all right. Well, I, I totally missed that one then. Uh, yeah. I, I, I happen to be talking with Mike Scotto of The Athletic about it when it happened. So that's why I remember it. How did I miss that? Anyway. Uh, it happened so quickly. Right. It was a, it was basically a part of the trade. Yeah. All right. right? So, he, it wasn't so he's in, on the market then. Uh, he's on the market. Yeah. And I mean, considering he barely played for the Celtics last year, I think that's not exactly a feather in his cap in terms of being a contributor. Not that Greg Monroe is a bad player or anything. It's just that there, there are so many options here. Here, a guy that I want to talk about who's not a center is J.R. Smith. And the reason J.R. Smith became more compelling as a buyout player is because of what Cleveland did at the deadline. They took on more 2019-20 salary in the form of Brandon Knight, and that made it less practical for them to use J.R. Smith's partial guarantee with a big counting salary at the offseason point next year because you could theoretically use that the other let's say you could trade for a 15 million dollar guy but he only counts at like three and a half or he'll only that team will only have to pay him three and a half so that's pretty awesome for a trade partner but if Cleveland doesn't have the financial flexibility to do that while staying under the tax considering how bad their team probably will be next year maybe Dan Gilbert I mean maybe they just go hey if you shave a little bit off of your guarantee for next year we'll cut you now you can play for another team right now and then you can do whatever you want to in the offseason well the other complicating factor as well is that smith's guarantee date is june 30th so you could only do the trade really with another team after both team seasons are complete but that's going to be a lot more difficult to as well a lot of times those trades will happen after july 1st so with all that yeah i think it would kind of make sense and cleveland interestingly is nearly up against the tax even if they do waive smith for next year i'm sure they will not be paying the tax they'll be able to get out of it in some fashion whether it's stretching or maybe a kevin love trade where he's due 28 million next year they could take back less salary but 
that's another reason why this idea of trading smith and getting back salary for next year is just it's going to be so difficult and i guess you, you talked a little bit about that already but it's uh it does seem like one where just the value of potentially reducing that guarantee for next year would be worth more than the very very slim chance that you would trade him to take on a more bad salary given what their situation is so yeah he's definitely one uh who else did you want to talk about here there are a series of guys who by the trades they were in look a lot less likely to be bought out now jabari parker already almost put up a triple double and had six dunks i think and i think those were in separate games for the washington wizards he has that yeah yeah that is separate games right yeah he has that team option for next year worth 20 million it's very possible if the wizards are happy with what he does this year that they will decline that option and then they could negotiate a further deal i don't expect to see him get bought out jonathan simmons seems like philly is interested in having him around for the rest of this year so he's not languishing on a likely non-playoff orlando magic team Amon Shumpert, of course, traded from the... We didn't think he was going to get cut anyway, but going from Sacramento to Houston makes that even less likely. And I don't know what's going on with Jeff Green. I mean, that they should have traded him for whatever reason. Washington thinks that 120% of his minimum will be enough to bring him back. So I think all of those guys, it's less likely that because of the yeah. trades that were made. Green is one of those re-sign guys uh, to me, though, where I think, yeah, the, he might... You don't have an advantage re-signing him, but you could use an exception maybe, or maybe even that 120 percent would be enough depending on what the market is like for next year but he's from dc that's one of those where i think keeping him keeping him around would actually give you a little bit of advantage here's a name we haven't heard much about that i'm surprised avery bradley got traded to memphis now we joke that he's kind of a stealth tank candidate to help them lose some games if they want to keep their pick but it seems more likely and he's got that two million dollar guarantee for next year again somewhat similar to smith although bradley as someone signed under the new cba is not an option to take back the longer salary and help a team cut costs once uh the season ends you he would have had to have been traded by the trade deadline in a deal like that but doesn't seem to me like memphis would have much use for him unless they want to just keep him on that 12 million dollar number next year which seems unlikely to me. memphis did start bradley in their 99-90 win over the new orleans pelicans and he could end up being another player like i talked about with lynn and deadman where the time passing between now and march 1st just leads memphis to go well what are we doing like i i think at some point as as much as i enjoy watching him play they'll either slow down or shut down mike Conley once it becomes clear that they're not a playoff team as well so they can kind of go in that direction rely a little bit more on their various young players even though dylan brooks being out makes that a little harder and that same story might be true with justin holiday they traded two second round picks for justin holiday and part of why they may have done that is that early bird rights could be enough to re-sign him should they be interested but it's possible that both sides kind of realize that's not where this is going and so he could get back on the market though my personal feeling is that Justin Holiday is not at the level where another team who's much better than the Grizzlies should be falling over themselves to sign him yeah you'd think maybe like Philly could have some interest there but obviously he shot it horribly since he was in Memphis I suspect they just keep him around because the optics of having traded two second rounders for him and then releasing him later that same season it'll just be too much to bear but i think they should and they can at least say hey we could re-sign him i don't think given the way he's played even that those early bird rights would be worth anything that he's going to make more than like the four and a half million that he's making this year i don't think any of the guys traded the clippers like wilson Chandler. you would have thought maybe for him but it seems like the clippers are still going for it and that big win in boston definitely helps jeremy lynn we talked about him already at point guard really nobody else comes to mind i mean i Isaiah Thomas might be one. Shelvin Mack is already a, a free agent. I this is Mack is only
only been good at various points in the last few years but if i were philly i might actually take a look at him just because he's nowhere near as good a player as tj mcconnell but he can at least like stand still and shoot a three-pointer and he's got max got some size too to maybe do some switching defensively more so than mcconnell has that maybe it's just all right if mcconnell not getting guarded in a playoff series becomes a problem you could throw mac out there for eight minutes a game and he can at least stand there and pretend to shoot a three yeah he was waived in that weird hawks trade where it sounded like they actually messed up the order of that in the jabari bird trade where they got all that cash i don't know whether they intended to keep mac and that was part of a potential lynn deal or what was going on there that was a very odd situation trey burke maybe could be a candidate oh the mavs are really light on point guards now i could see devin harris being one as well though i mean he's been sort of a dallas lifer at this point he he was actually there's an example danny a guy who got traded and then re-signed with the organization uh last yeah. year R- rick carlisle's lo- beloved backup point guards are pretty much an exception to all of those rules he'll just <laughs> he'll, he'll just always i i think he said something there was there was a quote a few years ago about how like devin book or devin harris can basically be on their team whenever he wants for the rest of his life or something like that so we'll see we'll see how that continues beyond this year because it becomes a different thing when they have cap space and everything else Jamal Crawford with the Suns is is an obvious one. You know, I'm skeptical that he can help many playoff teams at this point in time. Maybe like a team that's trying to push for it a little harder. Like maybe Crawford could be of use on like an Orlando that just desperately needs some kind of shot crease. But Crawford, other than his distribution, has really struggled this year. Can I make one big picture thing? Sure. So you and I talked around deadline time about the possibility that once they ducked under the tax, that it would be possible for Houston to use some of their prorated middle-level exception. They use some of it to give minimum guys longer contracts than two years, but they still have a lot of it left to sign buyout guys because it's a pretty good carrot. You can offer more money and, and the Rockets will have some playing time depending on where that guy plays. However, this being a weaker than expected buyout market, especially in terms of forwards, might be an additional explanation, justification, whatever you want to say there, for the Rockets not going over the tax line. Because if, hey, if it's, you know, for somebody like Mario Hazonia, you're not going to, you're not going to pay the luxury tax for Mario Hazonia. And that ties in with the piece that I wrote for The Athletic, which came out on Sunday, about the missed framing that has happened with Houston, where, because especially because of Tillman Fertitta's public comments that Kelly Uko f- thankfully recorded, and I was able to include in the piece about how he was like, of, of, didn't thought that the repeater tax was, I believe the phrasing was a horrible hindrance. And so basically I wrote a piece saying, yeah, that's true, but the Rockets weren't going did, to pay the repeater tax. Did he say it was tax. the repeater tax or just the luxury tax in general? Was My tax. interpretation of it was that it was kind of... A, either sustained luxury tax slash the repeater tax. I watched it like five times to try to figure it out. It wasn't entirely clear, but my my read on it was more, that it was more about the repeater than the luxury tax in total. But it's open to interpretation. I, yeah. I, I watched it five times. I couldn't figure out for sure. I, I mean, ultimately, perhaps too much is being made of his comments because... First, he said to McMahon, it had, we'd never even discussed the luxury tax in a meeting. And then, you know, he said this horrible hindrance, which obviously was antithetical uh, to that. There's the, the thing about, oh, if we're not competing, we're paying this much tax. I got to find a new GM. But ultimately, it just goes down to what the actions have been. I mean, that's really what you can judge uh, more than just what the comments are. I mean, especially for 
a guy like that who's a new owner maybe he's not as used to talking to the media and i think just in general parsing through guys public comments like it's a deposition having been a lawyer and taken depositions the text of people's comments sometimes aren't necessarily what they meant and things can get misinterpreted i hate the word taken out of context or, or the phrase taken out of context because generally that's bullshit sometimes it's true but generally that's bullshit but you can have things get misinterpreted but ultimately we wouldn't care what he said if they were paying 20 million in taxes here so uh Omri Caspi got waived maybe when he can get healthy again he would be somebody Michael Beasley and Carmelo Anthony are still out there Beasley got waived by the Clippers after that Zubach trade and then really you know that's that's about it on the forward line Ellington and Matthews were the the two difference makers to me those guys have already got signed and so then you just got a bunch of big Deadman if he becomes available Robin Lopez Cantor we talked about Zach Randolph got waived by the Mavericks after that trade he hasn't played a second this year it's I don't think he can really help anyone at, at this point again it's just th- there's a lot of these kind of offense only guys where it's a team is just totally starved for some kind of scoring but generally if you're in the mix for the playoffs uh, that's not the case I mean maybe you could see in Orlando Randolph or or some of these other guys Monroe Gortat could return to Orlando Orlando does have some problems at backup center now with uh Mo Bamba out Jason Smith do you imagine I don't know if New Orleans has waived him already but you imagine that will be coming and uh Channing Fry is another one too with Cleveland maybe he could get bought out and there's a thought that having his shooting could help the team but yeah I mean this is an uninspiring list to be sure I guess the only other place I'd be watching maybe is Minnesota if they really fall out of it they've got guys Tolliver Gibson Luol Deng has actually played reasonably well recently Jared Bay has given them something if they really fall out of it but it doesn't seem like minnesota's style they might want to be able to resign some of these guys scott Layden is just and ryan saunders are both trying to just put some wins on the board and bolster their resumes for getting to stick around so i don't see that happening but maybe that's the one that could shake a few more guys loose here did we mention lance thomas oh yeah that's an interesting one positional scarcity definitely in favor of thomas also the fact that he is on a team that is not competing for anything other than ping pong balls right now thomas has a i believe it's structured as a non-guarantee for next year but that so that means the knicks you know they they're not going to keep that seven million on the on their books so functionally there isn't really much of a a lost cost there so i could see that happening but he hasn't really played well enough in his time this year to say oh man we we need to send lance thomas like a lot of the times these players aren't going to leave money on the table unless they already have their next place lined up and it seems unlikely that's going to happen with lance but it could all right time for small forward rankings after i tell you about lending club credit card companies include a little breakdown these days to show that only making minimum payments means you might be paying off your credit card debt for decades with lending club you can consolidate your debt or pay off credit cards with one fixed monthly payment since 2007 lending club has helped millions of people regain control of their finances with affordable fixed rate per personal loans you don't have to go to a bank no high interest credit cards go to lendingclub.com tell them how much you want to borrow pick the terms that are right for you and if you're approved your loan will be deposited into your bank account in as little as a few days they are the number one peer-to-peer lending platform with over 35 billion in loans issued the way to get started with them is go to lendingclub.com slash cap space check your rate in minutes and borrow up to forty thousand dollars pay off that high interest credit card debt that's lendingclub.com slash cap space lendingclub.com slash cap space let them know that you came from us all loans made by web bank member fdic equal housing lender okay let's talk some small forward rankings now and we'll give you our criteria again that longtime listeners are probably familiar with how we do it so first of all how we're determining who a small forward is 
it's basically what would you be on most teams in the nba so what we're talking about here is maybe the guy's best position is defending small forwards that to me is really huge at the small forward position if you're not someone who really has the size to potentially defend the best small forwards in the nba tough to shoehorn you in to a small forward there there are a lot of guys who you know might ideally be on this list as a power forward right harrison barnes would be one of those for example i think his best position is probably power forward lebron james is probably his best position is power forward though he would certainly describe himself as a small forward but most teams are so hurting for small forwards this is not a deep list that if you have any sort of small forward skills you're probably going to be put at small forward because it's just easier to find someone to play power forward next to you at small forward i mean the kings are a perfect example this now like harrison barnes is probably going to start for them at the three maybe he'll play some at the four as well but the kings don't really have another small forward so barnes that's why he's going to play there and yeah bogdanovich can play at the three in a lot of matchups but barnes can defend small forwards and that's why we're kind of looking at him as a, a small forward and there are some teams where maybe you have two small forwards on the team jalen brown and jason Tatum are a perfect example of this in boston when they were starting together brown was in theory the shooting guard but both those guys you put them on the average team they're a natural small forward i think most people would agree another way to put this is if you imagine an opponent with a normal distribution of of sized players who would they put on this guy and that's a part of how you and i ended up shifting ben simmons again so last year we had ben simmons as a small forward we have moved him to power forward because even though philly has a bunch of big dudes he's 6'10 like that is where you if you can that's who you would like to put on ben simmons yeah there are issues related to how he handles the ball and everything else like that but he is is to that is the the best calibrator and another part of this is everybody's going to be on the list once and you can kind of get a good idea you know oh you think player x is a a three and not a four or vice versa you get a pretty good idea of where they would have been on the other list we're not doing this to duck anybody or to avoid it it's just that you have to put everybody in one box in order to make this work and these are the boxes we have chosen yeah and if you can play other positions that's going to increase your ranking oh yeah huge 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 that that we've chosen for you and also like ben simmons for example in the half court he's almost a center the way he plays you know he's posting up like right under the basket most of the time full court obviously he could be a grab and go guy and then defensively he's got an argument of guarding one through five so anything else we got to talk about here or should we get rolling there's one more thing we need to talk about and that's really what the criteria is in terms of player quality and the way the way we've talked about it before is who you would want for this full season plus the playoffs so you know some of these guys obviously aren't on playoff teams that doesn't matter but so if you have a more limited skill set you know if let's say you're a one-way player that could be attacked that matters but if a player doesn't care about defense at all in the regular season that matters a little bit too yeah and also we usually do this in tiers we're not gonna have the same tiers I, i am sure but generally especially once you get below the top eight or nine guys the rankings within the tiers i didn't spend a ton of time on parsing who's 14 and who's 15 you know but i think if you're if you think a guy is better than someone who's in a higher tier than him then yeah i think you you got a beef but hopefully we're not going to hear how one guy's 18 and one guy's 15 and they're in the same tier and how could you be such a moron to uh, have this guy below this guy but yeah if you're if, if your guy is in a lower tier than you think he should be yeah let's let's hear those comments and so i'll start with tier one last year 
I had LeBron James by himself as the best player in the league with Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard when healthy which he wasn't most of the last year but he was actually just coming back I think when we did those rankings last year so nobody had any idea what was coming there but LeBron to me you know he's had the injury this year he's a year older Kevin Durant is having an awesome season I still have LeBron above Durant I think LeBron will be better in the playoffs but the Lakers have kind of disappointed as well to some degree James's defense has been an issue once again so I actually have James and KD in the same tier and then I actually lowered Kawhi Leonard in part because of some of his injury issues and in part because I don't think he's been nearly the same on defense all the time and he's not quite as good offensively to me as James or Durant and that defensive difference that he used to have over them that that's lessened a little bit and then also just the concerns about his health so that's why I have Kawhi uh, a tier below with Paul George so that's my top four LeBron and KD tier one tier two Kawhi and Paul George and then there's a massive drop off below Paul George I ended up with the same split but different orders and I'll explain why. So something I've been keeping an eye on this year, and there are significant notations that need to be made here about personnel, is right now the Lakers, you know, and cleaning the glass filters out garbage time, the Lakers are scoring about 110 points per hundred possessions with LeBron on the floor. That's about league average. Like that's not too, too crazy there. And yeah, this, this personnel is not nearly as conducive to what LeBron does well as last year's Cleveland team, even though they, you know, had a lot of flawed players and everything else like that and the lakers are still you know they're still outscoring opponents by i think it's like four points per hundred possessions but LeBron hasn't been that definitive offensive player as consistently. And then the other thing that changed is that Kevin Durant has been much better offensively when Steph Curry isn't on the floor. And so I think that margin has toned down a little bit. And while Durant, his defensive act, like capability is is overrated on a game-by-game basis, he still has the ability to, to get up there. He's can be a part of some of the Warriors' best lineups yeah. when he's engaged and everything like that. And that used to be a lot worse than LeBron James, but now LeBron James is worse defensively to me game in, game out than Kevin Durant. So yeah. I actually moved Durant above LeBron. I it's it's basically just how much do you trust that the LeBron we saw in the 2018 playoffs can just bring it back remember I think I said last year even before the finals started that if they did the award that the NBA should do of a playoffs MVP that I would have given it to LeBron even if the Cavs got swept out of the finals which ended up happening and I stand by that he was incredible but maybe it's just this groin issue giving me a little bit of hesitation I'm just sitting there going I I don't I I don't I I can't be 100% sure that that fastball is there whereas Kevin Durant he's the same dude I think he's even been better as a distributor this year it's still I don't think it's the best part of his game I think he's there a lot of times when he's been too passive but if I'm starting in October and going all the way through June I trust Durant more even if LeBron has a higher ceiling so I went with KD1 LeBron 2 and it hurt me to do so I mean I've had LeBron as the best player in the league for a long ass time and he could prove me wrong in April May and June I would love to see it but until that happens, I'm putting Durant over. Yeah, I can't do that quite yet, but I certainly agree the gap has narrowed, specifically on defense. And we really haven't seen LeBron play great defense since 2016, even in the playoffs. And so I think we, we can just assume that that part of his game is gone. And when he was in the East, when he was with Cleveland, it didn't matter that he wasn't that good in the regular season. Although, as mentioned, they were always awesome on offense when he would play. Part of that was due to the fit. Yeah, Part of that might be because he was better last year than he is this year. 
year but now the team that he's on i mean they are out of the playoffs as of now and now he's on a team and in a conference where not being as good in the regular season does matter a little bit more so like that that does have value and that was actually the regular season value is one of the reasons that i probably still would rank jordan ahead of lebron as of now ben taylor and i did a long podcast about that by the way if you guys are interested but so i still have lebron higher just because i think he was so awesome in the playoffs last year and i've many times waited for this to be the year where he starts dropping off and yeah i think we've seen it more in the regular season this year especially in the impact metrics than we have before but i'm, I'm not gonna buy it yet hopefully the lakers make the playoffs and don't have to play the warriors and lose in five or get swept what did you think though in tier two i did have Kawhi above paul george i think paul george has been better this year for sure a lot of that to me is still built on you know 41 percent three-point shooting on some very very difficult attempts uh, i do think that Kawhi is a little bit better as an iso guy a little bit better as a number one guy i think that Kawhi has a higher defensive ceiling though i think george on a game-to-game basis has been a lot better than Kawhi, and certainly george completely destroys Kawhi in the impact metrics this year george is like number two in a lot of those and or even number one in some uh, i want to say as well well, whereas Kawhi has been a lot lower in that than he usually is, particularly on defense. But I, I still think that Kawhi's game just translates a little bit better to the playoffs as the number one guy. He's just a little bit more unstoppable, a little bit more of a problem to guard where you just need that one guy who has enough strength to deal with him. So that's why I have Kawhi higher, but I, it was splitting hairs. And I completely acknowledge that George has been better than Kawhi and obviously has played way more minutes and way more games as well, which you know doesn't look like Kawhi is going to be going to stop missing in games anytime soon. I put George over Kawhi. I, it's funny we think about this the same way but I'm less concerned about Georgia's shooting I think than you are I mean he's been so his last year in Indiana 39% last year 40% this year 41% what is really impressive about Paul George is that he's taking more threes you know as not only as a share of his shots but also per 100 possessions than he did before and he's improving yeah. his percentage they are and so reliant on his three-point shooting it's insane I mean, they, just, they don't have anything else there well I, I was thinking about this yesterday when I was watching that game that they won against Houston and and they have a lot of guys that can hit shots. I mean, and, and we've seen Ferguson have some good stretches, but they don't really have players that you trust. And so I was sitting there thinking about like what this Thunder team is going to look like in the playoffs. I'm like, oh my God, this is going to be a lot of like Paul George shooting tough shots and he can't make them. I mean, he's, he's, an, he's an awesome, awesome player. But the reason why I have George over Kawhi, I prefer Kawhi. I think he's a more dominant offensive player overall is because I don't have any question marks about Paul George's defense. I mean, the way that he can navigate screens is truly incredible. He has been the best perimeter defender in the league this season, full stop. I don't think there needs to be any qualifications or anything like that. Paul George is is that guy. He can be that guy in the playoffs. He did a beautiful job when he wasn't in foul trouble on James Harden. Kawhi's defensive ceiling is higher. Kawhi is a a legit defensive player of the year, and he has those moments even this year when his possession-by-possession impact hasn't been there. But I'm going to value the guy who's who I know is doing it, especially because Kawhi does have this injury bugaboo and maybe he just can't hit that, you know, hit that full stride as frequently as he would need to, to be better than Paul George. So again, th- this is eerily paralleling Durant and and LeBron where I have the guy who I think has the higher ceiling below, but the consistency is something that I really value. Well, I won't be getting any Valentine's
Valentine's Day wishes from Thunder fans uh, after that ranking of Paul George. I swear he's in the same tier. It's it was splitting hairs. It's too close to call. That always seems to fall on deaf ears. So I might have gone wrong in that ranking. I, I I'm willing to admit it. But you can never go wrong with Sherry's Berries for Valentine's Day. Their signature dipped Valentine's strawberries. You can get them dipped in milk, dark. That's my personal favorite, or white chocolatey goodness for any discerning palate, and topped with decadent chocolate chips and heart and glitter sprinkles. Your Valentine is going to fall in love with every bite, much like the Mavs fan base has fallen in love with Luka Doncic. We'll see where he ranks in just a second here. These strawberries are the perfect companion to a candlelit dinner, a bouquet of flowers, or a night in the town. They ship anywhere nationally, and they always arrive fresh with a 100% Sherry's Berries guarantee. Still got time. Valentine's Day is just days away. This is dropping on February 10th, so you got time still. Send your Valentine the gift to their dreams at the price of your dreams, starting at just $19.99 plus shipping and handling. Order now and make this Valentine's really special by adding a dozen red roses as well for $19.99 more, and you can throw those in with no extra shipping charge. You know how to get this discount. Go to berries.com, B-E-R-R-I-E-S.com. Click on the microphone, enter that familiar cap space code. Sadly, we won't be talking about cap space twice or quite as much with the trade deadline in the rearview mirror for the next couple of months, but cap space is never far from our hearts. And with Sherry's Berries, you will never be far from your Valentine's heart. So once again, that's berries.com. Enter that code cap space and let them know that you came from us. All right. So I moved in now to a three person tier that I labeled as stars. There's one player that I was very torn on and potentially making it a, a fourth, but those three players are Jimmy Butler as my number five small forward, number six, Luka Doncic. And you know what? I'm going to just cut it off right there at tier three because those guys are have a history of being primary or near primary creators i mean luka Doncic's history isn't long but i think we can assume that he's going to a continue to improve and b that he's already been a very solid offensive engine so far this year and a little underrated on defense so i'm going to cut it off right there at, at just those two guys that gets us through number six five jimmy butler six luka Doncic. that's interesting and, and i do see the parallel between those two guys just with the workloads that they undertake i had two players in my tier as well but i had chris middleton here and it's weird because I value what Luca does more than I value what Chris Middleton does, but I think that Middleton has done a nice job over the course of his career, maybe not as much this year, but over the course of his career of making his weaknesses a lot better. And so, you know, like, I don't worry about Chris Middleton defensively the way I worry about Luca. And Middleton, he's not that dynamic one-on-one creator, but he can fit in with a lot of systems. And so there are absolutely teams where Luka Doncic, and remember, this is just about this year. This isn't ranking how these guys are going to be two years from now or anything like that there are teams that would value luca over middleton but for me he can middleton can fit in a lot more systems and his ability to hit shots defend capably is a part of one of the best defenses in the league is makes him a little bit different and with luca there's also the element of just seeing it continue now you brought up track record and i actually wouldn't have couched it as much as you did because even though it's a different league we've seen luca succeed against elite competition relative not even relative to his age he's beaten men for a long time and actually it's really interesting you had a comment today to the spanish media that it's easier to score in the nba than in europe which actually you know yeah i understand why he would say that just because there's so much more spacing and Mm -hmm. the three-point line is further teams just play with more spacing there's much more pace as well teams play a lot faster in the nba than in europe uh the defensive three seconds 
Yeah, it was something you and I talked about, but it's also something Jonathan Gavoni and I talked about when I had him on Real Jam Radio about this idea that there are certain European guys. Rubio, there was a theory about this with him as well, that the American style of play actually fits their strengths and weaknesses much better than European basketball does. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Also, just having some of the guys that he has, like he's had DeAndre Jordan, guys who can just go up and get an alley-oop. You know, you just don't have... I mean, he's, his main pick-and-roll partner last year was Eddie Tavares, who's uh, not quite the finisher that DeAndre Jordan is and not quite as mobile. So, yeah, I totally understand why why that is uh, the case. I mean, one of the interesting things, too, is that remember when we were hand-wringing about, you know, was his free throw rate going to translate? And it's been pretty good. 39% for a, a rookie is pretty impressive. The three-point shooting is down to 35%. You know, that's fallen off a, a little bit, but obviously a very, very difficult diet of attempts. Middleton is, is interesting because he was this mid-range dominator. I mean, you remember the Celtics just couldn't stop him last year, and then finally they got Marcus Smart in there, and he was the only guy who could guard him in the mid-range last year in the playoffs and like you know he used to be this mid-range killer and he really that's been taken out of his game now with Milwaukee because they just want to space the floor for Giannis and I do think Middleton is benefiting a little bit just from that hot first month or so that he had and his defense to me is average at best at the small forward position but he is being underutilized I think as a scorer right now so I initially had Middleton up there with Butler and Doncic although you know as number seven but I just moved him down a tier because I just think with Butler and Doncic, there's just more of a distribution component there they put way more pressure on the rim uh Butler is way better defensively as well like neither of those guys spaces the floor as well but I mean those guys are you know number one number two options and Chris Chris Middleton is kind of a 2.5 number three type of option a lot of his value comes from spacing the floor but it's just a different sort of a a load there with those guys so that's why I have him in a little bit different of a category we haven't talked much about Jimmy Butler and I think part of that is because he's unambiguously in this tier. You know, he's a really, really good player, not as dominant possession by possession as Kawhi and Paul George. So he's below those guys, but he's above damn near everybody else. Really talented guy. Did have those weird issues this year, especially the the Wolves just being horrendous defensively when he was on the floor. And, you know, that goes to a lot of different sources. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I don't care what he did in Minnesota. I'm just trying to project what he's going to do. Yeah, for the rest sure. Of the and Minnesota. what he is as a player, because that was a, a more complicated circumstance. And I don't really take the off court, you know, the turmoil that has somewhat followed him as as really being a factor near now if theoretically that were in in and i'm not saying it does with jimmy if that were to lead to a player like me thinking that it was likely that he could be suspended or like off the team or something then yeah that would be a consideration but this kind of stuff not really i am fascinated because luca was a tough call for me like i so i have him one tier below but it was it was close like you were going in there i'm fascinated to see who else you considered because there wasn't another guy in that mix for me i thought about putting jason tatum in there interesting okay uh, but but then i just decided no it's just a, that's falling prey to the hype a little bit too much i mean he can have really big games on a team that was had fewer creators i think he could be more valuable as a offensive floor raiser where that ability to create mid-rangers would actually help uh you know i think he's average defensively i think he's kind of pretty similar to middleton maybe a little bit more of a playmaker but you know middleton's a little steadier perhaps tatum has more length uh, more athleticism tatum has played well in the playoffs i don't 
don't know if you're going to say, well, he played well in last year's playoffs. We think he's going to play well again in this year's playoffs relative to the regular season. So I, I just, he's just a little bit too young, a little bit too unproven. So that's why I decided ultimately to drop him down into this fourth tier. And so the other two, so I've got Middleton and Tatum in there. And then the other two guys I have are Andre Iguodala and Robert Covington, totally different players than Middleton and Tatum. Iguodala's shooting. I mean, he's been better this year, 36%. The idea of just, okay, you can leave him open. I think he's been a little more aggressive shooting, especially since early in the season. He's looked very spry still, especially when, again, we're talking about the playoffs. You're putting more of an emphasis on that, uh, perhaps still one of the best defensively at his position you know just an incredibly solid vet he's in a perfect situation to contribute in golden state you know if he goes elsewhere and he has to play 35 minutes a game he's probably going to break down that has to be part of the evaluation here when you're trying to look at how good is this guy you have to really consider what would he be like in all situations not necessarily just the one that he's in so he's probably in the perfect situation to have the most on-court impact when he is in the game but man that impact is huge and i also when we're talking about the play playoffs this position if you don't have that guy who can guard the best wings at this position you're gonna have to go up against Harden you have to go up against Giannis although he's a little bit different of a guy Butler Paul George KD LeBron it's just so important to have that guy that you can say all right this guy can actually give us a fighting chance against this dude in the playoffs that's so much more important than it is game to game in the regular season Covington unfortunately kind of failed in that role last year so he's in a different category than Iguodala Covington probably a better regular season player but huge in terms of defensive impact in the regular season and a guy who has a hair trigger shot from three and hits it at a solid percentage gets it off pretty well with the, that six nine height so he's in there for me as well I mean when you just look at the impact metrics you have to at some point give some respect to, to what he's done there he's always done his career in those uh in those evaluations I'll start with Covington who I have in this tier as well he can sometimes be a hard guy to place and rate because he is a great defender but he is not as dominant a one-on-one defender yeah. and he, so he couldn't stop like a number of guys on boston yeah last year so it, it's it's a different kind of successful defender and he's still really valuable you know you can put him as a part of a system and things can go really well i th- you think the impact he had on the sixers and then i th- what he had on the wolves before he got hurt with this bone bruise that's being a part of them their season getting additionally sidetracked i guess is the best way to put it something that's concerning for me with tatum and earlier in this year when we did the prospects podcast i talked about how tatum i i have a better grasp on him now because he's become a player that i can connect with because last year when he was shooting like 44 percent on threes and was you know his free throw rate was crazy and all this stuff you're sitting there going okay something has to regress otherwise he's going to be this like unbelievable megastar and now you know forcing a few shots three pointers come back to earth a little bit i know how to work with this yeah. guy J- jared weiss by the way i my mouth is watering at that uh that wagyu at uh momofuku this this summer in vegas uh, on that three-point percentage <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. I'd forgotten about that. But so all of that, all of that said, and, and I, I believe all that, that I, I, there's a really good player in here already, and he's going to improve so much. This is Tatum's age 20 season. I'm a little bit concerned that Tatum's aggressiveness stats have toned down pretty significantly this year, getting to the free throw line less, getting to the rim less. And that combination, you know, he he's coming from a pretty high point. So it's okay to tone down a little bit there. I'm not going to, you know, blast him for that. But, you know, going from a 31% free throw rate to 
to 24. That's a big drop. Like that, that's pretty significant. And it's not like Boston completely changed over their personnel and just killed the spacing. And so he's driving into a pile every time or something like that. I, I want to keep an eye there. And that's why Tatum, despite shooting 38% on threes, his true shooting this year is about league average, you know, nothing, nothing too particularly crazy there. And defensively, I like him a lot better as a cog in the machine, not as a lead guy. You brought up the criticism, which is completely fair, of Robert Covington in the playoffs last year. I trust Tatum less in those capacities. He has some nice moments, but I like him more as a switch guy where he's not the point of failure than as the lead guy. And so in other systems, I think he would that could become a bigger problem with other surrounding talent, let's say. So did you have Tatum in the, the same? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So so my so my tier here is three guys, Luca, Jason Tatum, and Robert Covington. Covington in that order. Your logic on Andre Guadala is sound. I moved him down into the next tier, which is really where my numbers stop because you can't play him as much. And being on the court is value, you know, I, and he has to take sometimes to take games off. Also, I mean, last year he had that whole quote about how he's more of like a May, June player. I think that was the phrasing. And he's looked better physically in January and February this year than yeah. either of the last two. That is important. But on a team that actually needed players, you know, that wasn't the Golden State Warriors, you know, beyond the health issues that like Robert Covington and those guys are dealing with right now, those teams are getting a lot more help from those players. And that matters because you have to freaking get into the playoffs in order to benefit from Iguodala's special brand of brilliance. Yeah. And I mean, even worth noting, even with the Iguodala not playing that great last year, the Warriors almost collapsed when he got injured in that Houston series. So yeah, how do you value regular season contributions on the Orlando Magic versus being able to stay on the floor and be a positive at the absolute highest levels of the NBA, but maybe not play as many minutes. You know, I, I'm a little bit more playoff focused there perhaps than you are, but I, there's no one answer to this, uh, of course. So I can drop it down now to a group that I called solid stars. This is my 11 through 18 group. And, and this is not in any particular order. Joe Ingles is up there though. His three point shooting has fallen off now. He's in the 37% range you know, after being above 40 the last few years, but he's still pro- provides some playmaking he's a solid defender lacks athleticism of course but he's not going to get beaten by really badly unless it's just the the absolute best guys he he could be a solid option there he can even guard some ones uh, at times just a a guy who doesn't have many weaknesses and that starts to become really important in this group uh, as well I think Otto Porter is right around this group as well. He's been very efficient so far. Some injury concerns uh, so far this year. And again, another guy, I think a big difference that we're running into here now is this group of guys can't guard the best small forwards anymore, or they have significant offensive limitations, you know, where they're a below average offensive guy. So if, if you, if you could be an average offensive player and you can guard the best small forwards, you're already, we're already past that group at this point in time. There are just not that many of those kinds of, of players especially since a few guys have fallen off so far this year we'll do some of our biggest risers and fallers later but uh boyan bogdanovich is going to be on that group he has provided incredibly efficient play well over 60 percent true shooting 43 percent from three does some pick and roll work as well he's got that running right-handed hook along the lane lines that he's been very effective with and has become so much better of a defensive player than i ever thought possible i mean his growth in indiana has been absolutely insane i mean we scoffed at them giving him 10 million a year two years ago i mean he didn't have hardly any market he he was like not even in that 2017 wizards team he was like just killing them uh, coming off the bench playing for them against the 
the Celtics in that series and now he's an absolute stalwart he's been fantastic do you want to do a very brief live reaction just because I found this kind of interesting a little thing that just crossed the wires we're recording yes Charlotte claimed Shelvin Mack off waivers hmm. I mean I guess that helps Atlanta financially they don't have to pay him and Charlotte I mean because Tony Parker's missed the last two games due to a back issue so yeah quick little yeah. interjection there <laughs> yeah that's interesting uh, for my own personal edification I just would like to see what Devontae Graham can do there but his numbers that's have true. been great I think so yeah and giving them there's, another option there they're good. still competing for the playoffs so a depth piece at a position that matters for them it makes sense uh so rounding out the rest of this tier uh, Rudy Gay defensively has been better than expected i mean it's not a plus necessarily on that end but he's held his own well enough in san antonio and has, has provided efficient scoring in san antonio's system doesn't take nearly as many bad shots uh, as he used to and it's, it's just been a, a solid small forward again he runs into some of the minutes uh, limitations he's had some injury issues uh, as well so maybe that's part of why he's not higher we've also got jalen brown in here he's gotten a lot of bad pub because he started the year so poorly the impact metrics are really bad for him playing opposite smart and morris who have been really awesome this year but his individual numbers have improved i mean he's still someone who until this year has shot it well enough from three to be respected i think he's still someone who teams are gonna at least guard out there although his individual numbers this year are not great at 32 percent from downtown and the 53 percent true shooting is not great but he's i think he's not a 40 percent three-point shooter like he's been at times but he can be a solid league average guy and then he's a, got solid defensive tools i thought he really improved was much more effective than i thought he could be against lebron in last year's playoffs he can scale down even to guard one's probably the one thing he's not that good at is chasing guys around screens like a reddick for example but still a very solid defensive option so just that two-way ability gets him in here to me trevor ariza another guy who hasn't shot it as well but he's actually up to 33 percent from three now and still a solid defensive option he's lost quickness he doesn't really have the ability to guard ones out on the floor which is something that he did more in his houston career a couple of years ago but still someone who can hold up against some of the best offensive small fours and not just get completely trucked og ananobi is one that's probably gonna be controversial to be in here but i'm just putting a premium on being able to guard the best small forwards in the playoffs his shooting has been a concern he's had some injury issues he's been derailed some uh, by the personal issues uh, as well uh, with the death in the family this year so i'm hopeful that he can play at a higher level going forward he hasn't been as good this year but he's a, a powerful transition player driver to the basket so does enough offensively and i think he can be one of you know maybe a top 10 type of option in the league with his physical tools guarding some of the the best small forward so that's why he's in there and then actually at the very bottom of this tier i did put in harrison barnes has shot it well from three this year i want to see what it looks like when he's a, a lower option now in sacramento where he is a, as a defensive player against some of the best guys but i i do think he has enough of a track record to at least be in this group uh, what's your reaction there and if you want to fold in some of some of your picks as well i drew a narrower line so i included every guy that you just mentioned and added in iguodala who you had in a higher tier so that my group is ingles gay bogdanovich porter and iguodala and the reason why i stopped it there without the other ones is that i just don't quite trust them enough you know i i see their flaws as being a little bit more material i understand especially with like jalen brown he's a, a particularly tough one because he had that awful start to the season and he's been a lot better since and boston situation with the ecosystem there and where when he's been playing and second unit stuff is a little bit bizarre so yeah and and with barnes i just don't i just don't trust his overall game enough he also defensively has been you know been inconsistent so far so what i did was i had that group which i called definite starters
starters. And they're like guys that for me, it was more, they're not great, but you don't have to really think about it as much. And so that's why for me, there's a big difference between Otto Porter and Harrison Barnes. Now I, I, you know, their contracts are also very different. That's why we talked about them on the deadline, but that's where I want to. I mean, now we're in the eye of the beholder. There are some teams I think that Harrison Barnes would be better on and and maybe Sacramento is going to be one of those teams because they really need some kind of half court creation uh, from someone like Barnes who at least never turns it over and Barnes is at least like bigger and stronger I mean he's he's never been that great defensively you know certainly trying to when he would start and try to guard LeBron in those finals and just couldn't do it and then they have to bring in Iguodala uh that was that was telling to me but so I'm that's why I'm interested to see where he's at defensively in this Sacramento run so that's really where I so what I drew the line was that that fringe starter thing is is my next group and these are I, I don't I mean you can run through your guys before I do if you want to but the idea behind them was players who can and often do start but i just don't trust them all the way yeah and i mean i think it seems like you're some of the unestablished young guys you're just not quite ready to put yeah in because this, it's like, it's for this yeah. yeah it's for this season you know like og and anobi he's in my next tier and defensively I, I love the guy but he just other than that random uh nba cast that we we're doing where he had showed a little bit more with that spin move and a pass and stuff like that he just hasn't really brought it possession by possession like game by game and all that kind of stuff and so that's that's a concern for me and if you don't have to really be cognizant of somebody that's a separate conversation for me and Ananobi can be better but i'm not going to give somebody deference based on especially if it's in a future year what they could be because they haven't done it yet and so Ananobi, i mean i loved him in the playoffs i i if we were doing this as like a prospects ranking yeah he'd be he'd be pretty high i think be higher than many expect and i feel like i'm just gonna get out in front of this and mention that somebody so my next tier is huge it's like i haven't counted it out but i think it's like 10 guys 10 to 15 guys and i'll just say that one of the guys who is not in that group is andrew wiggins because i do not trust andrew wiggins to be a starting small forward he's been he's been a negative he's been a massive negative he's hurting the team he has hurt the teams here that's that's abundantly clear i think yeah so these are all guys that for me you're happy to have and you would rather have another starter if you could but due to positional scarcity and everything else they're a part of your rotation you're thrilled and so do you want me to just rattle through them or do you want to do well if it's it's going to be like 15 that that might be a little much i mean are there any highlight guys that you really wanted to focus on in there yeah a couple so jalen brown we already talked about him with some substance mo harkless who would be higher if i trusted his health more i I just yeah i i I had him like way down in the 30s i mean he his shooting this year has been awful he's a 29 percent from three i don't and that's only he's only taken 61 attempts yeah i mean it's been it's been a weird season for him like and and, and i think his health is like oh it's real like that i mean i I just i don't trust him to contribute at anything close to a starter level the rest of this year due to the health uh not to mention the shooting which is which is sad because he's someone i've always been really high on and he just you know because of this health issue and and that surgery last year uh hasn't been even close to the same i have joe harris in this group i think that you know his shooting is incredibly valuable he's been one of the most effective three-point shooters in the league he's not great defensively but he's not an absolute sieve and so that that really helps and he has swing man size so that that put him in this group I have a lot of young guys in this. I'll, I'll just yeah. go through them quickly. Mikhail Bridges, OG Ananobi, Kelly Oubre, Brandon Ingram, 
Torian Prince, all Jalen, of course, like all those guys, I think will be a lot better in a couple of years. And they're just building out their skill sets. Ingram's defense in the Celtics game really impressed me. And he's in now with LeBron in unfavorable circumstance. I think that he doesn't get to do as much of what makes him yeah. intriguing. Yeah. I mean, he showed some signs when LeBron was out, mm-hmm. but I mean, the 29% three point shooting, the low volume, he's, we, we talk about, okay, what would this guy be like on every team in the league? Two thirds of teams are going to have, and he's at 53% true shooting. Two thirds of teams are going to have enough other good creators that you don't really want to have Ingram being trusted to do that much. Now he does have value if you have a bad offense like the Lakers did with LeBron out and you just need someone to create some offense for you. And I think his on-ball defense has improved much more so against smaller players. He's still a a very, I shouldn't say limited because he has great physical tools, but a, a poor help defender in terms of his impact, blocks and steals, making plays at the rim, uh, uh, awareness, etc. But I think on-ball guarding, you know, he caused Kyrie some problems. He's caused CJ McCollum some problems early in the year. I think those kind of guys he can be really effective against. But most teams are going to say, I mean, like, like the Lakers, yeah, it's great that you can do this pick and roll stuff and you can create some uh mid-range twos that you can shoot over guys but we don't need that we've got guys who are better at creating offense than you and so what are you going to do if you're not doing that well now you don't have much offensive value unless you're on a bad offense that needs their floor raised so he's his versatility as far as fitting into different situations is quite low right now and that's a a big reason why i have him down here and i i could throw in a couple other guys too i mean my next group here kind of in the 19 to 22 range was guys who i kind of labeled could get there soon so ingram was in that and and my note was that it depends a lot on what you need tj warren is another guy too where his defense has never been amazing he he shows some signs every once in a while this three-point shooting who knows whether that's really or not he's missed a lot of time lately uh, as well but certainly is looking like he's going to be an efficient offensive player for some time here i mean that that shooting has changed his trajectory a lot and then two other guys more in the three and d mold but who if their shooting holds up could be really valuable players royce o'neill who's at 43 percent from three but it's only 100 attempts so far this year and dorian finney smith who was in the high 30s now he's dropped off a little bit recently uh but he's been getting shots up a, a little bit more i've liked how aggressive he's been from three and he's someone who i you know either of those guys and O'Neal is a little bit smaller in terms of being able to guard some of the biggest guys but i think he's just with his offensive game i still classified him as a small forward over a shooting guard uh finney smith even is a little bit thinner too but you know i can see both of those guys just as guys who can make threes and really defend their position well as guys who could be like starting level of players if the shooting holds up a, over a larger sample here i've had them down a little further just because they're not there yet and so like for yeah. me like jay crowder trevor reza those types of guys like they're they're more stuff and reese is well, having well such a strange when season. you say they're not there yet i mean that's that's an interesting way of putting it because i mean they have been kind of doing it so far this year yeah it's it's small it's sample size whether you yeah. think that's going to continue or not sure. so they may yeah, be there they may not be there i don't think we know really at yeah, point that, that, that's more fair. I, I think that's a good yeah. way of putting it. So then who do you have in your next tier? You know, uh, I have a, didn't go much beyond here. I mean, we're getting to like the 25th best. It's pretty tough to rank, especially with the guys being different. I think, you know, Joe Harris I had in this range. Justice Winslow was another guy uh, as well. He, he's tough to classify because he's gotten better from three this year. He's at 37% on 181 attempts. That's not bad. He's shown some point guard skills as well. So that kind of makes it more of a small. He's, you know, whereas I 
would have thought of him more offensively as a power forward in previous years and then defensively you know he's got a lot of versatility can probably guard one through four reasonably well if not being an absolute stopper guy Andre Robertson is someone we should talk about here nominally a shooting guard but you know a guy who would be a small forward on most teams but just number one the offensive limitations and number two you know it doesn't even look like he's necessarily going to play this year so there's an asterisk there for sure what about Gordon Hayward that's someone we got we got to talk about here I mean we ranked him you know seven and eight last year with the thought that okay we're just hoping that he's going to come back there's even talk he might come back for the playoffs that when we did this last year that didn't happen obviously and he, he of course has really struggled the three ball has been way off he's been in the low 30s well below average efficiency and I think defensively he's not what he once was either so I mean he's to me he's kind of you know in the 30 probably at this point in time yeah that's where he is for me he's in that tier below this big group just because I don't I don't trust it yet and he doesn't have the pop defensively and you I don't really know at this juncture what his ideal role is on a successful team you know like I think that he's being overextended on the Celtics to the detriment of some of the other players on the team but the Celtics are way better and way deeper than an average NBA team particularly on the wing so all of those things factor in and so you think about like maybe if he were you know in a different circumstance but I had him at the top of my next tier yeah. I, mean, I mean the only thing that he's doing at an above average rate right now is probably passing I mean he's yeah. below and he- average and probably every other possible category and his defense this year has not been good. Right. And remember, that was an important part of his value as a member of the yeah, Utah Jazz his final year there. Yeah, he, he did a good job and he was an integral part offensively. And so you have that, you know, defensive neutral or slight positive, offensive significant positive. Those players are incredibly valuable in the league. I mean, we saw how few those were when we got into it. Like once we were past like seven or eight, you're saying they're going, well, okay, where are we going from here? So yeah, I had him down there. And let's see, I'm trying to think if there's anybody in my fringe starter group that we haven't talked about at yeah. all I, I mean we, we could talk about just some guys that oh in general I, yeah, two yeah. mkg who is a hard guy to place because he's basically a center offensively brought this up a little bit with yeah. ben simmons but i still like him defensively and they're figuring out borrego has done a better job using mkg offensively but there are certain teams where he just wouldn't function but i still like his defense and then damari carroll i, yeah. I like damari carroll mkg still. probably belongs in the four category at this point frankly yeah probably does i didn't really know where to I, he was in here for last time so i'm like eh, i'll put him in there it's kind of like justice winslow like you you know they they occupy very different roles so you just uh, putting them in one of the five boxes is tough and then damari carroll i've just liked damari carroll's game he's not gonna set the world on fire but he's a good consistent player and his versatility defending multiple forward positions is something i value so you wanted me to give you maybe the most surprising stat that i came across in doing all this research damari carroll has the highest free throw rate of any player that we're considering at 44 percent damn isn't that just insane I never thought of him as like some big I'm gonna have to watch for that now like where the hell did that come from isn't that just shocking I mean and he's not like he's not doing it out of just like oh well he gets fouled some but he never does anything else I mean he's at 19% usage that's not like crazy low he hasn't shot the three ball well I think you know his hustle game his rebounding game his defense you know the athleticism is, is really waned there and, and this is age 32 season but I, I thought that one stat was absolutely insane so here's some guys we got to do Wiggins we talked about already I mean, just high usage, 48% true shooting. And uh, yeah, let's say he's not Russell Westbrook passing around the boards. <laughs> so uh, Kevin Knox, again, one of the most damaging players in basketball this year. Some might say he has a bright future. Others are lower on him, but it's indisputable. He's not providing hardly any value outside of his scoring and his scoring provides negative value. Another guy well below 50% true shooting, high usage. It does have a decent three-point percentage. That's about the only thing that he's doing well at this point in time. Miles Bridges. 
another guy who if he just gets a little bit better from the three-point line i mean i've loved what i've seen from him defensively he's a playmaker some of his shot blocks are, are remarkable like you definitely feel him he's strong but just not quite there yet as an offensive player with a 31 percent from three on 120 attempts josh jackson i mean again just one of the more damaging players in basketball 25 percent usage 49 percent true shooting 29 percent for three so when those numbers improve wake me up i think he's he's made some strides things look a little bit better but i mean the overall difference uh, is not huge compared to last year i think uh Derek jones jr is an interesting guy to discuss was getting big minutes for miami then he had this double bone bruise in his knee but he's a really interesting player 10 percent offensive rebound rate and not incredibly low usage at 17 percent the three ball, 37%, but only 52 attempts. So that's really kind of a worthless number. He has looked a little more aggressive taking it at times. Uh, and he's got still got to get stronger. He's more of a defensive playmaker type than a one-on-one stopper. Better against smaller players due to that thin frame. But someone to watch. Uh, just the overall numbers that he put up have actually been pretty good. And he's played almost 700 minutes so far this year. He's just a guy to watch. He's not you know in consideration for the top 30 here. But someone I'm keeping an eye on. Um, anyone else who figured prominently here uh, before we kind of talk about our biggest risers and fallers? Our friend, the brick shithouse, Shemi Ojale. He's another guy that's hard to put in. Oh, I had only... him as a four, actually. Oh, okay. That's fine. We could talk about him then, then. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's barely played this year, so kind of hard uh, to read on him. I don't think we, we, this is probably where we put Tory Craig, right? Yeah. Uh, another guy who, who just isn't really in contention for the top 30 with me with yeah. his offensive limitations. And But a, a guy to watch all the same. I mean, he's yeah, been better well, this year than anything. Watch him, watch him turn 29 next year. Oh, that's right. <laughs> uh, and, uh, I mean, oh. he, he's made some strides this year, for sure. I mean, he's been less of a liability than I thought he would be. I'll at least say that. And he's a quality defensive player, better finisher. Three ball looks a little better, even if the numbers haven't been that much improved. Yeah, I think I, I, that that's really all. We talked a little bit about Dorian Finney-Smith. Oh, I've been disappointed. I wish James Ennis had had a better season for the Rockets. He's now, of course, yeah. a member of the 76 Interestingly enough, he's been extremely efficient quietly mm-hmm. this year. He's looked better by the numbers than the eye test at least in terms of That's his true. offensive performance but I, I agree i mean i think he's been it, it hasn't been that great for him but he's, he's got a chance for redemption in philly now so here are the guys that really fell off to me tabo cephalosha was probably overrated by me last year frankly i had him in the teens just a, as a guy who, who could be a real stopper defensively but then shortly after that he had that mcl issue and he's been uh i think it was mcl uh and hasn't really been in the rotation this year for utah and it nearing i think he's 34 this year he, he may be about done Robertson, of course just due to the injury stanley johnson is one who you know was kind of in this could get their student category last year and just 27 percent from three and it's just been atrocious so just a, an unplayable level we talked about harkless his fall off as well luke Mbamute hasn't played at all this year that's another one um kelly Oubre isn't someone that we've talked about at all I, i'm not saying i'm not saying he's like a big fall off guy he's you know been in this low 30s from three-point range but you know I, not someone that i see developing into a future starter at this point i mean i think it's been long enough now that uh, that he hasn't made significant strides that it, you got it's kind of all right when that shooting gets better it kind of wake me up at this point is that is that where you are on him too pretty much he actually gave kevin durant some 
big problems, which was interesting, and the game, that was part of the reason the Suns kept it close against the Warriors also. There are a bunch of different reasons. And Oubre's competitiveness is there, and you know, I like his defensive versatility. He's probably strong, but he can he can do some work on some guys. So yeah, I actually had him in that, my fringe starter category at really at the bottom of that, because I like what he can do, but it's, you know, he's less of a certain commodity. We already mentioned Gordon Hayward, but we should mention this. I mean, I had Gordon Hayward last year. Remember, that was after the injury yeah. had happened. It was yeah, just thinking about where he was going to be. Yeah. I had him sixth, and now he's in tier six. So that's a pretty big drop. Yeah, I mean, when healthy, he would have been up right up there with Butler and probably. Oh yeah, Lucas, absolutely. You know, um, we didn't probably didn't talk about Torian Prince enough. I think he mm-hmm. his lack of development defensively has been a problem. Also, his shot selection has not been good this year. I mean, he's probably deservedly, frankly, not been starting since he came back from that injury. Uh, they've got especially with if Prince can't defend better, the fit with him, Young, and Herder is a little bit dubious, and I think that's maybe part of why Atlanta was looking to maybe move i mean pembry has been starting and he's been much better defensively than prince has but prince still continues to shoot the ball well he, he's another turnover machine too i i'd be interested to see where he would be on another team but to just not really develop that much defensively despite the physical tools that's kind of what he was drafted to be i mean i think offensively in terms of his shooting he's probably exceeded expectations but to be you know average at best defensively probably a little below average at this point in time it is a massive disappointment and um, you know the hawks do a good job of developing guys overall like it's so I, I don't think it's been you can argue he's been in a bad situation at this point i mean last year i guess it was kind of tank city and so he there wasn't as much accountability but this year there has been so i think and he just hasn't quite shown that quick change of direction that physicality defensively that you would have hoped he would have developed no ability to play the four either you know that's something that we had asked to see for a long time and i think it, you know it's pretty clear that he doesn't quite have the physicality to to hold up there uh, and john collins now is there for the future so the, the positional versatility that we hoped would be there isn't so yeah the lack of development from him is, is on the the defensive end has been a little bit of a concern so you know i kind of have him down in the 30 at this point i mean he's not even he's not even starting for atlanta right now and, and probably deservedly so in terms of risers you mentioned Bojan bogdanovich but yeah it's a big big jump for him from being somebody who we just need to keep an eye on to yeah he's been a consistent part remember indiana's defense especially when they were remotely healthy this year has been very good he's been a positive there and you can shoot the ball and and can do more with the ball in his hands. We've seen that a little bit more now that Oladipo's been out. And I, I really do like his game overall. I've got a big riser for you. Paul George. Yeah, I mean, I had him in my tier two last year. But going from fifth to third is pretty big, especially with I mean, who to, he's jumping. To be, yeah, to be ahead of Kawhi Leonard, for you arguably ahead of Kawhi, for me. I mean, I think last year you could argue that Jimmy Butler was better than him until Butler got hurt. You know, it was really a down year for George. He had that knee surgery. There's a question, I mean, coming off that surgery of whether, you know, he was even going to be as good as last year. I mean, he's just been so awesome this year. I mean, he's really you know, easily been a top 10 player. And I don't think that that was the, the case last year. So, uh, and, and you could even, in terms of the impact metrics, he's right up there with lebron and and kd this year which has never really been the case before i don't think so that's uh that's been a huge one uh i think iguodala has looked more spry this year you would have expected he would fall off and said you know i think he's looked better tatum took a pretty big jump for me because i wasn't i wasn't sure last time and now that's more of a certainty even even though it hasn't been the most inspiring year he's just you know you deliver on that promise a little bit more and that that helps yeah 
other than that not any like enormous right i mean obviously luca but this is his first year on the list well i would say joe harris is a pretty big jump i mean he okay went from yeah he went from being a, a non-factor really to being you know a pretty significant part of this yeah it's tough for him because you know he's just not in the defensive category with most of these guys he's really more of a, a offensive specialist at small forward it, it, i was torn with whether to make him a shooting guard or a small forward i mean he's got more size so he ended up in the small forward group but he's just not at the level of some of these guys unless unless you're talking about guys who are really you know like a luca a main offensive engine you you can't credibly put harris on the best small forwards in the nba the way you can with most of these players uh, that are that are higher on the list but no he's certainly done everything that he could to improve and that eight million a year contract is looking like a pretty decent one all right i think we can wrap it up here uh, unless you have anything else to talk about before we go i'll just mention briefly the two pieces that already went up for the athletic on Kyrie Irving's factor in free agency and then the Rockets tax situation those are up now I'm going to be working on other stuff because yeah we're not recording for a little while now and then I'll have I'll have Real Jam Radio on the normal schedule and I'm not taking I'm not taking as much time as you but I'm still going to take some time as well so that'll be I'm really looking forward to that yeah we've got the all-star break uh, starting uh basically on Wednesday night and but this is going to actually be our last episode until Thursday night after the all-star break so wanted to give you guys a nice long Long one here uh, at least catch up on things uh, around the league and um, we'll talk to y'all in 10 days so till then at bet 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every goal every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period whatever the sport whatever the moment it's never ordinary at bet 365 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.